Hey everyone, this is Lynn Bartim, and you are listening to the Apex Hour on KSUU Thunder 91.1. In this show, you get more personal time with the guests who visit Southern Utah University from all over, learning more about their stories and opinions beyond their presentations on stage. We will also give you some new music to listen to and hope to turn you on to some new sounds and new genres. You can find us here every Thursday at 3 p.m. or on the web at seu.edu slash apex. But for now, welcome to this week's show here on Thunder 91.1. Right. Well, welcome in, everyone. We had a little trouble getting our our theme song playing there, but we're just going to jump right into the show. Um, this is Lynn Vartan. You're listening to KSUU Thunder 91.1. Today, we are talking about something that I really love, which is music. Um, those of you who know me know that I am a music teacher, a music professor here at SUU. And um, today's Apex event and today's guests that I have in this studio are musicians. And I can't wait to get started with the conversation. So I'm going to welcome in an old friend and a new friend. Uh, And we'll just talk about you one by one each. But my guests are Talking Strings, which is the cello and Cora duo. And we'll talk about all of what that means. But um, the cello part of it is Pete Jacobson. Welcome into the studio, Pete. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Lynn. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing great also. Solid. Well, we've known each other for a long time, but um, just to give our audience a little bit of, you know, where you come from and who you are. Um, so, you know, your bio lists you as a cellist, producer, songwriter, singer, chamber musician, teacher, and father. So many amazing things. And in 2013, he won a Grammy for Best Latin Rock Alternative or Urban Album as a mo- as a member of the group Quetzal. You have done it all. You have played for Dr. Dre. You have played on The Walking Dead. You have done everything. So I'd like to hear in your own words, what does it mean to be a cellist for you today? What is that? Music is such a big thing. You can go forever in any one direction. Right. And to have a certain amount of freedom to pursue whatever you love, that's that's the thing. And to identify what you love, identify what the, the passions are in your life, identify what's fun, identify what's important, what's interesting, just what you want to do. And prioritize that because we all need to make a living. But at the same time, we want to make a living doing something that's important and meaningful and fun that we love to do. So it helps our health. And I think it helps everybody else's health to be just doing the thing you you want to do and feeling happy with your life. I see people around me who are just doing what they want to do and... And you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at you right now. <laughs> That's I, I true. See you. So, so you know, we're all mirrors to each other, and we all have this capacity to lead. So, so um, you know, being a musician is a thing that can require a lot of tolerance of financial <laughs> thin ice, right? Right. 
but you know you stick with something long enough and eventually something is going to give make way and you're going to be able to you know pay your your rent and i've had all these great opportunities and and you you know the, the it, it it's just happened because i keep sort of trusting my intuition mm-hmm. and friends that you make doing music you know maybe they're not big now but they might be right. i see all these people who i used to play and jam with yeah um who i there's a ton of people who are talented you know mm-hmm. and you know i'm i'm in my 40s now and i'm i've seen people who i was jamming with in my 20s that were on the same level as me and now suddenly here she is she's headlining the hollywood bowl yeah you know people's careers can really take like you never know what's possible so you got to be cool to everybody you got to be you know um encouraging um and and hang around with the people who you know kind of fan your fire and 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 just trust your instincts oh i love that being around people that fan your fire well that seems to be a hallmark of your career you are just such an incredible collaborator and i want to talk more about that but one such collaboration is the counterpart to your visit here and your residency and that is keenan webster <laughs> so welcome in keenan how are you doing today i'm doing very good all thank right. You, thank you. Well, Keenan, you are a, an expert in so many instruments mm-hmm. and, and you have this incredible trajectory to your career that mm-hmm. started out with, um, gospel and then got into blues. Mm-hmm. But you are here today showcasing your expertise in African instruments. So yes. I wonder if you might give us a little snapshot into what it means to you to be a musician today. Um, it's a very good, powerful question. Um, to be a musician today is to be, uh, I, I feel like I'm blessed to be a musician because, um, because I have this, uh, this tool and these energies and these healing arts to do, you know, to heal my, not only myself, but to heal other people. Mm-hmm. So I feel kind of blessed to be a music because as as the time and experience went by, I feel like I understand, like I could see the purpose and what music can be used for. So I, I feel happy to be a, a musician uh, right now. Yeah. Have you always felt that that the healing power of music? I mean, when you mm-hmm. got into it, was it more just something that you did and the people around you did, or were you very aware of the healing aspect right from the get go? Yes, I was very aware of it. Um, for example, uh, growing up in the South, you know, we got a lot of, you know, uh, black churches yeah. and they, you know, they just be going off as far as like they're worshiping and, and the, you know, especially with the use of music. So it's an energy that you could definitely feel and you could definitely see it too. Mm-hmm. You can see it in people's vibe that they, they, that they're feeling in it and you will feel it too. So I, that's when I know that music was a force and, and just the way it made people feel in church, but also outside of church too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that something, I mean, did you have the aha moment where you wanted to dedicate your life to music? Yes. Tell yes. us about it. I had about 50 of those. Uh, <laughs> actually did a lot, but it just keeps showing me oh. like the first time when I heard the 
djembe live. I had heard it on recordings, but when I was about five, six years old, I felt like that drum was just talking to me. Wow. Like, I mean, I just, just felt like I, and I was shocked that people wasn't tripping off of the instrument like I was. Cause I was, I was like, man, the force and the power of that. And I knew that that drum was like, probably like the king of, you know, of the drums and stuff yeah. like that. And also when I'm, when I saw certain musicians like, uh, BB King and Willie Dixon play. Yeah. When I was younger. So I was about five. Uh, I used to go to different places with my, uh, my great aunt and my grandmother. Um, they was crazy about gospel music and of course the blues. So being around them, I saw some powerful stuff. I seen how it affected people too. I seen how I seen old men, you know, you know, coming in and walking crippled and then the power of the music would flow through them and they're able to walk just miraculously and jump and dance, you know, and stuff. So I, I know that it was a power of music and I, you know, I wanted to do it, but it took me a while to, you know, yeah. to kind of really get into doing it where I'm actually performing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Pete, how did you choose the cello? I know that you, we've talked quite a bit about the musical family that you came from, but, but why specifically cello? Yeah. The cello chose me, awesome. um, you know, my dad played cello a little bit and he had the instrument. So it was right there. And I love my dad. And, uh, it was, you know, it was right there. So <laughs> I, uh, I just, I just grabbed it. And, and then, uh, my family is four boys. And so we had a string quartet for a little while there <laughs> and we all just played. And my parents just encouraged us. You got to practice. You got to do it. Right. Took us to lessons and, uh, I just never stopped. Yeah. What was there a moment where any of you fought over it? Like, did you ever want to switch to violin or viola? You know, I realized that all this time, I think I've really wanted to play the electric guitar <laughs> and to be able to, you know, mm-hmm. shred like Jimi Hendrix. And I, I sort of had this identity crisis about two or three years ago. Like, may, is it too late? Well, maybe I can do it on the cello. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, at a certain point, I, I'm, I'm realizing though that it's all one instrument. Mm. It's just what you do with it and where your, your listening is. And there's all these access points. I, I hear people play cello who are not classically trained, right. who are just listening and they do it in their own way and they'll make a song and they'll play and wow, it's beautiful and it's so unique and different. And if they would have had all that classical training, it kind of would have been like messed up and not that special thing it is. Yeah. Right. So uh, the instruments are, are like that. It's, they're, uh, just a, a, a vessel and whatever that the spirit of music takes you, you can do it, whatever the, whatever the instrument is. So I'm not too worried about if it's this instrument or that one. It's just where your intention is. And, and there, there's, there's just possibilities. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, I want to come back to that conversation and, and talk a little bit more about, you know, access, uh, access points into music, um, you know, this universal language of music that we talk about and more of its meaning to you. But first, I definitely want to give our audience a taste of what you guys sound like. Mm-hmm. So Keenan, before I play, uh, this, this sample of, uh, joy in the morning, I wonder if you might tell us a little bit about the instrument that you are playing on joy in the morning. Um, so people People kind of know what they're hearing. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, the Cora is a, uh, 
is a West African harp from the countries of Senegal, Guinea, Gambia, and Mali. And uh, so it is used for their oral tradition and to uh, speak their oral tradition, their genealogy, to praise different people in the community for funerals is, is used for very important, you know, purposes. And, uh, it's a, it's a double bridge harp. And, but it's also, it has, uh, to make the resonation of the sound, it has a calabash gourd with cow skin mm-hmm. and strings and wood. And the gourd is pretty huge and it's connected with the banjo in the sense. Okay. Yeah. And in case anybody doesn't know, what does double bridge actually mean? Double bridge means that it's two sets of strings. On both sides. Right. Yeah, I'd be forgetting to talk about all these things. No, I know. <laughs> it, it, but, you know, yeah. if people can visualize it, instead of thinking of like a violin or a cello or, I mean, even a guitar where you have kind of one set of strings, um, the Cora has two rows of strings that are parallel to each other. And so you yes. can play one set with your right hand and one set with your left hand. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So um, is there anything else we should know about Joy in the Morning, that tune? How did it come to be? Well, uh, both of those tunes came out of the the pandemic Ah. vibes of being in isolation. So where I live at in uh, Santa Rosa, right where I stayed um, now, I I have a lot of trees on my property and and we had a little river and all that kind of, you know, flowing through nice acreage. And so all the realization of what was happening in the world, even on the, you know, the political level. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, so that, that's how that joy, you know, cause I was, I think what happened was too, like when the first, when the pandemic first broke out, it was still, the winter was still kind of cold, but, um, after stuff kind of selling down and you started realizing the big picture of everything and then all the stuff that people was going through and what I was going through, uh, because I just didn't know what was going to go. I had right. booked over a hundred and that, like that year was going to be my best Biggest, year. Yeah. I had booked so many, you know, uh, gates for myself. Mm-hmm. So I just couldn't wait to start, but it got all just lost just Absolutely. like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that, like that. So, that uh I think I had to just find joy in my music and my music was my refuge when I was in isolation. And so I was outside. Thank God I had those trees and those birds and everything. And I was just, it was just a morning time. And I think the spring had kicked in and I was feeling so like, I just had this rush of joy when I was playing music because the weather was getting better. I was like, there's still kind of a little bit hope with everything. And all this music was flowing through me. And it just, that's how it happened. But oh. Joy is my name, is the name of my sister, my oh. younger sister. But, uh, you know, Joy is also a reference in the Bible, you know, Joy in the yeah. Morning. Yeah. So, you know, that's how it came about. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing the, mm-hmm. the background of that song. Mm-hmm. So this is a Joy in the Morning and the duo is Talking Strings. And you're going to be hearing um, the African Chora and also some cello on this. So here's Joy in the Morning. You're listening to KSUU Thunder 91.1.
Wow. Well, all right. Welcome back, everyone. That song was called Joy in the Morning. And the artists that you heard are collectively known as Talking Strings, but it's Pete Jacobson on cello and Keenan Webster on the Cora. And uh, you're listening to KSUU Thunder 91.1. Welcome back into the studio, Pete and Keenan. Thank yes. you, Lynn. That how music, I mean, how can you not feel mm. amazing? I definitely get the sense of <laughs> joy in the morning there oh mm-hmm. man i'm so in love with that instrument with the cora i just <sighs> listen to it and I, I hear water going down a waterfall and i hear the the leaves and i hear the nature the wind and the it what an amazing piece of technology that the ancestors created with that instrument mm-hmm. yeah right like mm-hmm. it's it's it it is really a healing instrument right and how how old is the Cora? Like, yeah. W- w- can you do you know? Um, I don't have the exact age because it was no, uh, there was no copyrights and nothing like that or right. none of back in those days. But the Cora and similar like instruments, um, Egypt has the single bridge, kind of same idea. Mm-hmm. You know, Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, Ethiopia. Uh, harps has been in Africa for, for up to about, I think probably like five, six thousand years uh-huh. that they have, you know, depictions of that, of it on the wall yeah, and in the, the hieroglyphs and stuff like okay. that and cave paintings of people playing them. So they know they've been around for a long time. And then there's a possibility that the, the bow and arrow, you know, the bow yeah. might have started because in Africa they got so many one string boat and, you know, like this yeah, yeah, bow. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a birimbao type. Yeah, the birimbao. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that the harps, and then people kept experimenting, adding maybe one or two or three more strings until they had got that. But uh, Africa has had a big harp, you know, tradition. Yeah, I've seen those yeah. the pictures of you know music of Ethiopia yeah. and uh, all that region in, in Eastern Africa, mm-hmm. and the way that the the music and the culture shared from there through the Mediterranean through ancient Greece. Yes, through the Ottoman Empire, it's really like all the way up to the it's island. been shared, and and people have been getting together, and like what we're doing, just yeah, having fun, making music, and making you know making livelihoods, and and trying to ha- make a beautiful sound for since forever, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. so all these instruments have been sharing, and you know as cultures meet instruments meet and so you know cello and cora people might say oh that's an unusual thing but actually when instruments from here and instruments from there come together that's the oldest story in the world right there because uh i I guess in in the this region where the core is from timbuktu Mm -hmm. that was like a major trade route from that would stretch all the way was that the, the to Egypt, to East Africa, and also through the Middle East, and like the same places where you send that that whole area Silk was Road. connected through Kashmir, mm-hmm. yep. through to China. The Silk Road went yeah. all that way, and there was people, yeah, carrying out trade and exchanging goods and art and culture, science, mm-hmm. technology, religion, sharing of ideas. 
Yeah. yeah, I love that idea. Like what you were saying, we think of, oh my gosh, you know, this classical instrument of the cello and then mm-hmm. this uh, incredible folk world instrument of the Chora mm-hmm. and, and that they, they seem an unlikely pairing, but actually it's probably a very natural pairing considering mm-hmm. the, the history and tradition. One of the other things that we talked about quite a bit or have been talking about mm-hmm. is the connection of, of these instruments to mm-hmm. the banjo and, and oh, yeah. as it came into the States and into jazz and into blues. And I wonder if you might share a little bit about that history with us. Okay. Sure. Yes. Uh, well, of course, people. Well, we now know that the uh, banjo did come from West Africa, and when it was first landed here uh, in the Americas, uh, it came. Some some of the banjos came, and some of the first earliest banjos were made in Haiti, people, you know, places like Haiti and Jamaica. But then there was a group of slaves that were brought over direct. They some it's well, a lot of the slaves used to go to Cuba for a minute. Right. That was like mm-hmm. a stage port f- for them to figure out. And then they would send from Cuba, to, yeah, they'll even send you to the islands or to America, to South America from there and right. to other different places or England. So it was like a, a, a layover for them to sell. And so um, that's why they had the, uh, some of the first earliest ones were in Haiti in Jamaica. So they have them in a museum now. They're dated back like 1750. Wow. Those are the earliest ones that they have recorded and also, you know, that they have evidence. But the, when the slaves did come over here, they did, um, they, they wasn't able to bring the actual instrument, but they used whatever, you know, they still had the concept of making a banjo, which is made out of a gourd, wood, um, skin, cowhide. And, uh, they was able to find, the materials wherever they went and, and, and make it. So it, you know, it looks a little bit slightly different because the gourds in America are different from the gourds in Africa mm-hmm. because they're closer to the, you know, the equator. Right. So the gourds grow real bigger and just different, but they were able to find gourds in the South and, and you know, Georgia's and they was able to, to make it and produce it. Yeah. Uh, they had the Cora It's connected uh, those, these instruments like the Cora and the Camelay and Guni, they all connected together in the fact that they used gourd and skin to make the resonation. So all their instruments, like the one string violins, the cellos that they have, they have a cello over there too called Soko, so, so, I mean Soko. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they have a three to five string bass that's played with the, the major notes, but also it's played as a drum. So mm-hmm. it's like a kick bass. You know, trap oh, set and a string yeah. on the two. Is that the 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 bolong? Oh, the bolong. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all their instruments was made with that. You know, using that gourd and skin technology. But that's how it was. But the but the kora, they they didn't mind the banjo when it came here to America. Uh, because who, who didn't mind the uh, the slave owners okay. and people in authority. They didn't mind the slaves playing the banjo. They they actually loved it because. The banjo, it was just more of a, uh, instrument that's used for entertainment, something like that, right, stuff like that. Right. Not but, as a ritual instrument, yeah, more of a for as, play party instrument. Yes. As opposed to the drums, which and, had all And these, the Cora. And the Cora. Yeah. Okay. Cause they knew that, hey, this guy is a, a bush doctor or this guy is a right. blacksmith or this guy is, he used to be a warrior. He's a king. This guy's a musician and they feared the, the storytellers because they wanted the people to forget about 
their language and culture. Right. And totally have nothing to do with their language and names, everything. So mm -hmm. they didn't want them to, to learn it from, you know, because the griots would have definitely taught you because yeah. that's how you taught it. They was teaching right. oral history and to tradition. So that's right. how I think. Yeah, yeah. that's a, such a yeah. source of power to be connected to your your lineage and right, right, right. Yeah, because the you... drums and the kora, as we've mm -hmm. talked about, we're we're really a cultural storytellers. They carry on the the storytelling tradition, the history. Yes. Uh, whereas the 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 new banjo sound, you know, mm -hmm. could be more of a party instrument. It didn't have that, that, that power maybe necessarily, or at least the right. slave owners at that time didn't perceive it that way. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah so. And then, and then after that, what, what, what happened? Cause I think people gravitated a bit towards guitar and then banjo turned into maybe now it's sort of looked at as this American folk instrument. Tell us a little bit about that transition. Yeah. So that transition, transition, um, all the history tells us and the histories from the presidents, um, uh, you know, like from the, not the stuff that they wrote and they right. had tons, you know, like for example, I think George Washington might've had a hundred slaves. Right. So he, uh, he allowed his slaves and he, and he was admitting that he, he loved it. He said they played this beautiful instrument called the banjo and I liked it. And, and he started allowing them to play. But, uh, so the early hundreds, early 16, 1700s, most of the slaves were the only people who played the, and they played the fiddle, mm -hmm. you know, the, the American, you know, right, the European right. fiddle, mm -hmm. but they would mix it with the banjo. And so it became popular. But in the early 1800s, there was a lot of what they call minstrel shows going on. Yeah, the minstrel where shows. Where they mm -hmm. was actually make, and it was actually degrading the spirit yes. of African Americans when they played it because they showed them, you know, like looking grotesque with big, big right. lips and eating watermelon and mm -hmm. playing the banjo. Mm -hmm. So a lot of African American musicians, they didn't want to be associated with that. Right. So they started playing the guitar too. And some of them might not have started playing. Not every, I'm pretty sure not all the slaves started playing the, you know, uh, right, right. didn't want to play the banjo because people still played it all the way up to the 1920s when they used right. to play it in jazz music and, uh, the one era of jazz music, you know, the 1920s and 30s, right before the depression. But they, they just, uh, a lot of people was offended by it and they didn't want to, so, you know, they started playing the guitar, but they, the, the style that they play, the finger picking style that is, very popular with the claw, claw, you know, claw hammer style and all that stuff. They just bought, they switched their ideas onto the guitar. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have that blues because they was playing that modes, all these different modes, you know, with the blues and, and rhythms and stuff like that. Yeah. And they needed the music to express themselves because it kind of healed them through all the stuff that they was going through, you know, the, the pain and suffering. Yeah, that's, that's incredible to hear that history. Thank you for sharing that. Which yeah. brings us kind of to thinking about the genres that you guys play in today. And, um, you know, we heard Joy in the Morning, which is a, a, a song that Keenan wrote. But mm -hmm. in today's performance, you guys played a little bit of sort of traditional Indian music, traditional mm -hmm. African music, new music. I wonder if you guys might talk about, maybe Pete, we'll start with you. You know, how do you feel? about genres in music i mean uh is that a word that you're comfortable with or it would you you know do you prefer not to identify in oh, yeah. terms of genre yeah it's kind of an illusion the the more you zoom in and look 
at it, the more it sort of disappears and becomes this hazy mist of what's this and what's that. I mean, the, uh, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, we're innovators and we're purists at the same time. And there, oh. there's these two different kind of perspectives. Tell me more. So, you know, the, the purists are going to say this instrument plays this style and focus on the tradition of, of this, uh, this particular style, it needs to be, um, like maintained in its original form, play it the way it's been done, keep that tradition alive. The innovators say, Hey, let's shake it up and, and have a good time. And, you know, I'm, I might, you know, people might say, Hey, what you guys are doing is, is really a, an innovator thing because you're blending this with that. But I just love the purists too, who hmm. say you shouldn't do that because the, it's really important to keep, uh, the spirit and the, the, the trueness of the, the tradition intact. Hmm. And, you know, I've, I've learned that a lot with the Western classical music that I've played. Um, and growing up playing Mozart and Bach and all these, you know, where is my authentic voice? You know, I'm a kid that grew up in the suburbs of San Diego. Um, so I'm going to approach Bach, but it, and play that beautiful music. But I didn't grow up in Europe where in, in the cathedral, they're playing Bach on the organ. And that might be a more of an authentic region where Bach came from. What did I hear when I was growing up? I heard garage bands and right. <laughs> reggae music and, classical music and just yeah you know we all come enter from somewhere and it's it's so good to to go deep and learn with masters of a tradition i've learned a lot from uh indian classical music uh masters mm -hmm. uh, one of my primary teachers was uh, is a sitarist and learned from pandit ravi shankar and he's taught me a lot and I've learned from Indian violinists and the freedom that they have. If you've never listened to raga music, Indian classical music on strings on the violin is just exquisite. That's the most, such a, just a freedom uh, artists like uh, Dr. L Subramaniam, uh, amazing violinist. The first time I heard that, I just was in love with, I, it was really an aha movement when I heard uh, the the improv improvisation of the Indian classical musicians on strings. It made me realize that you could just play forever, and in a a a, a beautiful and an improvisatory way, like a freedom. It sounds like I was so jealous of that freedom when I heard it. How do they do that? Because I was so used to reading music, All right? You know, right. and so this, you know, the last many years of my life has been, you know, learning to play by ear. And so what were those early lessons? So you're this classically trained cellist who starts studying with an Indian music master. What were those early lessons like? I mean, it must have been a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah, it's so funny because all these years of learning on the cello and I think I know something, <laughs> right? And then they, I sit up and I have to play by ear. 
And I realized I really don't know anything. And so it's so, so humbling just to realize, oh, after all this study, I actually am a complete beginner. And was that hard to deal with? I mean, I think I would find that very challenging to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I had to let my ego go and uh, stay on task for a long time. And, uh, you know, I'm still... I'm still just a beginner. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to prove to anybody except myself just to keep doing it and have a daily practice. So do you then practice letting go daily? Yeah. What do I practice daily? Well, I, I mean, know. is it so to, so to sort of explore this realm of your playing, this, this freedom, uh, is it, you know, when we think of practicing, we think about, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to practice this music. But I was wondering if your practice becomes more a practice of letting go. Yeah. That's a great question. It, it takes both sides of the brain, mm. right? There's, there's rote, uh, routines that, that you learn that get the technique going. But then there's also the other side, which is the, you know, the, the, the right brain side, I think, I don't know which is which, but what, you know, one of them is more about memorizing and, and, and another one is about being open in the moment and having a live audience to play in front of is the greatest. Yeah. I really miss that during the pandemic, you know, playing alone is one thing, but suddenly when there's other ears and eyes on you, mm-hmm. the music takes another form Yeah, just by having ears in the room listening and other people who are experiencing the moment and mm-hmm. the sound with you, it changes the music. The music comes alive. There's all these other opportunities to, to work with the, those, those feelings yeah. that happen just from that sort of energy mm-hmm. transfer, that energy exchange of being in a room together yeah. When music is happening. Well, I appreciate you saying that the, the practice is really a bit of both because in order to have that freedom, you have to have those, those patterns, those things have to be very naturally imprinted inside you. You know, if it's a, uh, a melody pattern or this, you, you have to have those words able to come out so that you can have this effective conversation when improvising. But, but to the performance side of things, um, you know, you guys talk so much about the connection with the audience. And I, I wondered, um, can, can you always feel an audience? Uh, or is there some time where you're not sure and you get it wrong? Cause I know, cause I would say that the genres that I'm more involved with it tend to be a little more like strict recital environments. And sometimes I feel like I've got the audience. I know exactly where they are, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then other times I have no idea. And I wondered if in your performance and the way that you're sort of super open, I wonder how you feel about that. Do you always feel the audience? Um, I yeah, it just depends on the situation. Um, it's unknown, right? It's, it's unknown because <laughs> okay. you never just know what's going to happen. Yeah, but like that's why I um, like you know today, um, like I had to explain to him like I like I usually do like my prayers, you know, to try to meditate and all that kind of stuff, so that I could I could just be prepared for anything to happen. Right. But sometimes you might not be able to have enough time to do that and you kind of got to wing it. So you don't know if it's you or the audience, but 
you know, you can, you know, when you, when you pay attention, a lot of people like to close their eyes and just block that, all that out. But sometimes you could be playing in places and you can see people, they might not be paying attention to you. Um, and you might, you, you might take it personally, like, yeah. oh, nobody's not listening to me. Right. But then after, after you finish, some people will come up to you. They'd be like, man, I heard everything. That was the most beautiful thing. So it, it does takes a lot of like not tripping off of it. Right. And not even worried about it sometimes. And you come to, to get and save and heal those people that you know will accept it, you know, cause maybe sometimes I let maybe a lot of people might not accept it. And, and it's not that they might not accept it. It might that their head might be in the wrong place. So yeah, exactly. maybe they got, or they got negative energy or, or trauma or something, trauma or something that's yeah. stopping from yeah, listening. Yeah. 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 But well, uh, I appreciate yeah. hearing that. Cause that, that makes me feel a bit more, yeah, cause that's kind of what my experience is too. And, mm-hmm. and so it's nice to hear that from other musicians as well. <laughs> well, I think it's time for another song. Um, okay. so we can hear you guys in action and feel some of that incredible love and energy that, that comes out through your instruments. Um, uh, we have a track called Sunrise. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you might tell us a little bit about the track. Okay. That was another, <laughs> that was another, both those songs are kind of related in a sense because, uh, so the whole tagline of joy coming from the morning is, is half of a, a verse from the Bible. Right. So that, that scripture says, uh, pain and suffering may endure for night, but joy comes in the morning. Right. So. Along with that joy, you know, you might have had a bad night, but that, that sunrise, as soon as it comes up and it wakes up the earth, it's a whole new brand, you know, brand new day that you can start life over and just let go and start the whole healing process and, you know, do your thing. So mm-hmm. that's how that both of them came out about the same time. They just came out of nowhere. And it's funny how stuff like that happens sometimes. And sometimes you can't get no inspiration for anything. But, you know, it also takes you having to have some kind of balance in your life on a spiritual level yeah. for you to understand that whatever you see, you think that it's all bad, but sometimes it's not going to be bad. It's just, you know how you can, you have to have faith that even though it sounds bad or looks bad or it feels bad, that is not going to be as bad as, you know, you think it is. And sometimes you could trick your own self and it works sometimes. Because yeah. stuff sometimes don't even be that bad, or you can even change the the flow of how things thing change something that was bad that was going bad, and you can just totally change it and make it good, you know, into something that's good. So it's like learning about life, yeah. how to handle certain situations when you see people not playing, you know, looking at you, <laughs> or you think everything. people not looking at you, you know, and this would be like, you know, this this you know, mind over everything, exactly. Mind over reality, yeah. just the, the open to the possibilities and yes. and to release ourselves from negative thinking. That's right. Right. That's right. Yes. Well, sounds like a perfect sunrise to me. <laughs> well, we're going to check out Sunrise. Again, the group is called Talking Strings. It's a cellist, Pete Jacobson, and you're going to hear on the Cora, Keenan Webster. Uh, you're listening to KSUU Thunder 91.1.
Well, welcome back. So that was, gosh, just the joyful sounds of Sunrise. The name of the track is Sunrise. And, and that was Pete Jacobson and Keenan Webster on the cello and Cora. They make up the duo Talking Strings, and they are in the studio together. Welcome back, guys. Hey. <laughs> so I do have, I'm, I'm ready to, ready to go into a topic that I'm really excited to talk to you about, but it, I occurred, it occurred to me that we should tell listeners where the name Talking Strings comes from. And Keenan, I think it mm-hmm. kind of comes from a little bit of your background, right? Can you yes. tell us about the Talking Strings name? Okay. Uh, well, I, I started, uh, the instruments that I'm playing now, they're from the, tradition of the the Mandinka people of West Africa and that's the countries of Mali, Senegal, Guinea, Gambia um, and other a couple of other countries and so I started playing off with the drums but I moved I fell in love with the balafone too which mm. is the African version of the xylophone and the marimba it's cousins of the marimba and that's what they call the instrument they call it talking wood ah. so that's what it means. Bala means wood and fo means talking. Or, right. You know, so I, I just went on and I was like, that's a cool concept. So I just did the English version of it, which is talking wood. Yeah. And, and now talking, talking strings. strings. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And then if I start playing the bala phone again, maybe I might am considering it uh, after two or three years. Actually, I've been, I, I haven't been playing, you know, I, I had a group that we was, is more drum. Um, uh, jazz instrument, uh, instrumentation and, and, uh, you know, xylophones. But I, uh, had some deaths in our group and then yeah. some other people move. And yeah. so the group got split up. And so I, I haven't, you know, re, 
you know, release that mm-hmm. CD, but I'm going to probably, you know, do it and yeah. maybe try to get back into the bottle phone. Well, and now I'm that talking, you're with cello, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a string instrument as well. True, true, true. <laughs> well, the topic that I wanted to ask you about, we, we touched on a little bit before the break, and that was, uh, you were talking about your, uh, faith and prayer and how the two songs that we played had this connection to a Bible verse. And I know that Pete, when, when I went into the green room earlier before your performance, you were, meditating and and doing some vocalizing and so i wondered if we might talk a bit about uh the meditation practice the mindfulness practice uh, mm-hmm. uh, that each of you might deploy and how that affects your musicianship and your performances so pete let's start with you tell me a little bit about how meditation plays into you know who you are and what you're able to access in performance so there's a, a tremendous power that comes from being in a place of calm and listening to center back into a, a just a, a neutral place of listening and paying attention to the breath is a practice that my dad taught me a lot when I was a kid, uh, which he was really a student of Zen Buddhism. And so this thing called Zazen was a a practice that he always, uh, I I would wake up and see him doing that early in the morning. And it's a mindfulness practice focused on attention to the breath. Mm -hmm. And we can do that anywhere. Whatever we're doing in our life, it's a process of noticing yeah. And it's so easy to get spun out thinking on a million different worries. Yeah. But noticing that we're worrying is a really crucial step or no- noticing that we're thinking or noticing that we're uh in a place with a activated uh thought pattern. And then it's immediately possible to go to a place of calm to go back to focusing on on the breath and it's the practice of listening so you know just like everybody i'm crazy <laughs> and i see it all around me people can be consumed by worries and fears and for a, a way, a solution to that is what the world needs uh, so that we can move forward with confidence and kindness and compassion. Because most of the troubles in the world are caused by fear about the future. Right. And most of those fears are completely irrational and unresolvable. There's nothing we can do to prepare for a million things right. that could go wrong. And we just got to cross that bridge when we get there. Mm-hmm. So what we have left is this moment now, which is inhabited in our breath. And what a easy thing that is. What a, what a, a beautiful feeling it is to be alive and just peaceful. Mm-hmm. So anytime that any anybody feels consumed by worry, we can just remember that 
there may there may be good reason there may be a tiger about to pounce on you and your instincts will probably save you but most of the worries are um just an opportunity to let them go and return to the moment now and then there's just gifts in the present is your mindfulness practice the same uh, if it's right before a performance or if it's at the beginning of the day? I mean, is it the same practice or do you find that uh, it's it's different if it's preparing for performance as it is preparing for the day? I feel so it's kind of influenced by people around me. Like mm-hmm. I was on this tour with a sitar player who he was really about the power of prayer. Mm which is not something that I had a whole lot growing up in. And in we went to a, a bunch of different places and, you know, I'm, I was, it was cool to, to watch him praying. I remember we were, he, he had this practice he was doing every morning for about 20 minutes. He would get on the, on his, on his headphone set and dial into his wife back in LA and they would pray for 20 minutes. Wow. And they were sort of experimenting. What What's that going to do to our life? And they would just pray together. And we were in New Mexico in Navajo country. And there we were just in some parking lot. I'm going to go grab a coffee. He, my buddy's doing his prayer thing. And I go back to the parking lot and I'm sipping on a coffee. And he's on the ground on his knees. And this kid walks up to us like, hey, is your buddy all right? Oh yeah, don't worry about him. He's he's just praying, you know. <laughs> and like, hey, uh, I need some prayer right now. Wow. And uh like, hey, are you okay? And he just started going into kind of what what's going on in his life and his battles as, you know, the feeling like there's no good options and it was so cool to listen and my friend finished what he was doing and got up and we sat down together. I mean, we stood together and, and my, my buddy, who's all about prayer said, Hey, can, can I pray with you? And he, my friend said, yeah, I need that. And we, so we sat down and we're going in a circle, just, you know, iterating what the good things like that we, we, we wish for mm. and giving thanks for the things that we appreciate. And suddenly two or three more people say, Hey, what are you guys doing? Like, can we sit down with you? And suddenly it was like this spontaneous circle. And I thought, wow, like this is amazing that there's a need for that. Yeah. Um, and so to be fearless and to, um, you know, in the, in the right way to, to help, because the, the worst thing is feeling lost. Yeah. Right. And feeling like you have n- no good options. Yes. And so what we can do to help guide people to not feel lost is the thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. That's amazing. Keenan, you've spoken about prayer and I know that meditation is a part of your preparation for performance. Can you share with us a little bit about what that practice has meant to you? Uh, it's, uh, it's very good practice. Um, I was kind of taught that, uh, when I had went through, I don't tell a lot of people that, but I went through my initiations and, uh, yeah. The African yeah. their masters and stuff like that. Because right. they do do certain things, rituals. Right. When you learning the drums, because when you're doing, it's different when you just jamming or playing. But when right. you start doing a lot of the, you know, the traditional stuff, they need you to be clean. Yes. And they need your mind and space. So they teach you how to 
cleanse yourself. Wow. So the same thing with the Native Americans, you know, they use the use of sage and yeah. cedar wood to, to chase away, you know, negative vibes and yeah. spirits. And so I've been incorporating that all the time when I play. So like he said, miracles be happening because I pray like, and it's so, I didn't get a good chance to play. There's times when it's just too difficult. Yeah. But like today, <laughs> I had to say, so my, I, I felt like I was a little bit time bit off than I normally be, but uh, I was able to do a quick chant and so it kind of helped, it did help. And, uh, but it, it definitely, it's, it's like needed for you to ground yourself and to, to get rid of all your negative energies that you might, you know, cause when you're playing music, you don't want your negative energies to interfere with the music and experience. So it's, 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 it's a good reason to do it. Yeah. Very good reason. Thank you so much. Well, you know, we were going to play another song, but I want to get to my last question. And to have you guys on air talking is, is, is so special, but we want to point everybody, uh, to, to Pete on Spotify. Uh, Pete, can you tell us about, you have a few albums available that people can check out. Tell us about those. Okay. So I, I've got this cello project where, uh, originally the concept was just all, what kind of sounds can I make using just the cello? And the, the, the percussion will be thumping on the, the belly of the cello and strumming on it like a guitar, plucking it like a bass, doing all the mel- mel- melodic stuff there and stacking it up when I'm recording at home. And it's, so it was just a bunch of cellos and it was just hella cellos there. And so I, I'm just going to call this hella cello. That's the name. So if you want to look it up, H-E-L-L-A-C-E-L-L-O, yeah. hella cello. That's me. And, uh, it started out as just, instrumental music but uh you know i'm incorporating actually a lot of people who i love to play with and i got a new album about to come out a bunch of songs a bunch of actually love songs and uh the album is called wildlife eats billionaires oh my god and (laughs) other love songs so stay tuned for that it'll be out in the next couple months Fantastic. But my the other album you can check out is called Dream Talk, and those are all extemporaneous improvises, improvisational ideas that turned into compositions, and it you know turned into a whole album right around the time my first son was being born. So yeah. great. Well, definitely check those out on Spotify, and then the tunes that we heard today uh, from from you guys as a duo are also going to be in a forthcoming album. So we'll yes. be aware of that. Talking yes. Strings. You got to hear some special new stuff. It's not out yet, but uh, keep an eye out for. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. And is there anywhere else that we should be aware to find you online websites? I know Pete, you have a website. Yeah, I've got a website, um, you know, on the Insta, you can find me at Hella Cello, um, Facebook, Peter PT Jacobson, um, website peteplayscello.com <laughs> fantastic okay my website is not uh ready yet yeah so i i i want to give it out i do have the, the the name i mean the 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 domain already yeah yeah but i i have to get somebody to hook me up cool cool i was trying to do it myself and oh my gosh it's, it's worse. so hard i would yeah. never ever if, life, if you so. want to see uh some footage of talking strings you could check out um my youtube channel yep fungus eats plastic oh my gosh <laughs> um and we've got some talking strings footage there okay and that's we'll, awesome we'll, you yeah. know reach out to and me then, and I'll, I'll link you up with keenan yeah and yeah. then i will be able to get full links on you know perfect people links 
in the future. Yeah. So my last question is a playful one. It's kind of the end of the hour question. And, and the question is, what's turning you on this week? And it mm-hmm. really can be anything. It can mm-hmm. be like a song. It can be a favorite food. It could be a TV show. It mm. could be a movie. It could be, I mean, we've had people say their favorite lipstick. It could be anything you want. Mm. And it's just mm. something kind of playful. And okay. so I'm going to start with Pete. Pete Jacobson, what is turning you on this week? Oh, oh no, you I should just... ask them that. <laughs> Come but, on, now. You know, I, my big, I, I just having so much fun with 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 uh, my family, mm. and I was able to make this trip from Los Angeles to Cedar City with my whole family. I Safely. Got the, Yes, we made it safely through, and, the, through the storms and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah all this right. rain and all this snow, and here we are. We, you know, what's turning me on is snowball fights with my four-year-old. Oh my gosh, I yeah, love it. Yeah, a little snow out here. That's and beautiful. That's fun. Yeah, that's perfect. Keenan Webster, what yes. is turning you on this week? There's <laughs> so many things. I, I don't even know where to start. Well, you know, basically, I always get turned on by playing music. So that's the number one thing. Uh, the other thing is uh, playing for people and playing, meeting new people and being in different environments. So that whole combination. Perfect. Just, just, just doing, the, yeah. doing the work. Yeah. Thank you guys so mm-hmm. much. Well, Pete Jacobson, Keenan Webster, Talking Strings Duo, thank you guys so much for spending the hour with me. It's been absolutely beautiful. So thank, thank you. you. Yes. And, and Lynn, you have been, I just want to, you know, us to take this down on record. She has been super amazing, incredible, and indeed she blessed us. And we really, really appreciate everything you've done. Yeah, thanks a lot. Lynn. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's been my pleasure. I mean, this has been uh, just amazing um, balm for my soul. And mm-hmm. um, thank you so much for being here and just being so generous with your musicianship and the healing powers that you are bringing to us. So, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks All right. Well, yeah. that's it for us. Right. We're going to end on that note. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Apex Hour here on KSUU Thunder 91.1. Come find us again next Thursday at 3 p.m. for more conversations with the visiting guests at Southern Utah University and new music to discover for your next playlist. And in the meantime, we would love to see you at our events on campus. To find out more, check out suu.edu slash apex. Until next week, this is Lynn Vartan saying goodbye from the Apex Hour here on Thunder 91.1.